Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. I want to talk about this question that we all have had. And it's simply two words. It's just this question we may have posed in one season or another. And it's this, now what? Now what? Right, we've all gone through the season. It kind of brings up memories for me because... Here's where my life is currently at and my now what is we have this, this social media, it's called TikTok, which you can mindlessly go on for hours and hours. And there's, I'm going to teach you a little bit because it's Youth Takeover Sunday. So there's this term called drip. And drip is essentially meaning that you have a nice outfit on. But if you're a parent, I, I, get, I endorse you to abuse that term. Here's how my mom would do it. She would see me come out of the pool, and as I'm drying off, she goes, whoa, I like the drip. Come on, mom. You know what I mean? Like It's just like... Man, she abused But I love having those kind of conversations. Ask the students if you want some more lingo, but I don't even know, and I can't keep up with it. But in TikTok, there's like this niche, and it's called, like, it's called baby talk. And it's all the great and wonderful things that a baby can bring. But I like to be a logical thinker. I know most people would say I'm an emotional person. But when it comes to big decisions in my life, I like to at least try to be logical. So this is how it plays out in my mind. I'm thinking, okay. Baby talk. I know how to treat a dog. How can I treat a baby that's similar and different than a dog? Okay, I can't, I can't kick my baby outside, shut the door, and let him just go in the yard if I have to potty train him. That's not going to work. I can't put him in a cage for a couple hours if I feel like I want to go hang out with my friends. I don't know if I'm ready. And I, I, I say this because naturally as we watch those TikToks, Aubrey starts to get baby fever. That fever caught hold, and she is now 20 weeks pregnant. Come on, somebody. I'm excited to be a girl dad. She is coming in December. Cannot wait. But now what? You know what I'm saying? Like, I got the dog. I, got, I went to college. I kind of faked my way through that, if you will. And now I'm wondering, I'm about to be a girl dad. Now what? Look at your neighbor and go ahead and say, now what? Because I think we're all asking it, right? You just got married, but you had no wisdom from your parents on how to stay married. Right? You may be asking, now what? Because you're underqualified for a job, but someone saw something in you that you didn't see in you, and you're asking yourself, now what? Maybe you've just heard of a friend's gossip and what they've been saying behind your back, but they wouldn't say it to your face, and you're wondering, now what? It could be a variety of different seasons, and I believe that we all ask this question one way or another. And can I tell you, you're in a great boat. You're in the right place to ask those questions because you're not the only one. Actually, the 12 disciples had a lot of very similar questions. What do I mean by that? I mean, imagine getting five loaves and two fish and being told, feed over 5,000 people. Now what? You said, what? Right, Uh, there's a person who's a Samaritan, which means I don't believe how they believe. There's a person of a different political party over here. You want me to love them like a brother or sister? Now what? You said, what, Jesus? I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe you see, uh, 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 like the disciples, when a paralyzed man breaks through the roof and is being lowered in front of Jesus, it's like, now what? And I like to read my Bible like it's almost happening today. So just imagine somebody breaking some tiles in the ceiling of this theater and being lowered. Your first thought is like, security? Do we, like, do, what, do we, what are we supposed to do here? And the reality is the disciples all had the same question. Now what? And I want to encourage you 
that most of these, actually all these disciples are great leaders, and it's, it can be overcomplicated, but here's the truth of this matter. In every one of those stories I just mentioned, to be a great leader to them meant to simply follow Jesus. They didn't overcomplicate it. They just said, hey, now what? And Jesus said, feed my people. They said, okay, that's what she said, now what? So my hope for you today is that we would answer now what, whatever that season is for you. Right, and the big question that I hope to answer is simply this. I went to church, now what? I went to church and it's Monday and my boss is being a pain in my butt. I went to church or I went to church and now my employees aren't meeting expectations like I've asked them to do. It's Thursday and people are asking me to go places. Should I go? Should I not? Now what? I'm coming, I'm coming for you, Colton. <laughs> When you want to live a message out, but you just don't know the steps, now what? And I'm thankful for Lift Church because the preaching that you'll get here is practical. They're not just going to give you something to walk away with, but they're going to give you something that you can apply to your life and see your life get transformed by the renewing of your mind and by Jesus. So by, for the next couple minutes, I want to talk to you about the now what's of life through a man named Peter. And I think I kind of relate to Peter, honestly. He's kind of a savage. He's muscular and... Uh, Maybe I want to relate to Peter, but, but I'm getting there. God can still do a work, amen. But uh, here's what I do relate to Peter. I relate to his denial. <laughs> Nobody really likes to talk about that one. I relate to Peter's denial. How do I do that? By making fun of people to make myself feel better, denying the image of God on their life. Ugh, nobody really wants to think about it that way because it's easy just to make fun of somebody. I don't want to think about the fact that I'm actually denying the image of God placed on that person's life just to make myself feel better. I'm not saying this about y'all. I'm saying this is where I've been. This is a, I hope you self-audit and you check yourself on these because this is what's happened in my life. I know I've denied God by going on websites and going to private tabs because of lust, really understanding that I'm losing purity in my future marriage. Right, I've, I've denied Jesus on my private tabs and my history that I don't want other people to know. I've denied Jesus when I've said, man, I know you're near, but how could you be near if I'm suffering such extreme loss? Like, I believe you, but what, what, why would you let this happen? We all have these moments of denial, and I don't know what it may look like for you, but when we look at the Bible, we see kind of what it looks like for Peter. And in Matthew 26 through 51, it says, but one of the men with Jesus, pulled out his sword, which a lot of theologians and scholars say this is Peter, and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. It's actually said that when he whipped out the sword, he went for the head, missed, and cut the ear. So we're, here we have Peter denying that for three years he's been rolling with Jesus, and the kingdom of heaven has looked a whole lot different than the, what they thought it would look like. They thought it would look like a war. They thought it would look like conquering, but really Jesus' kingdom is brought by loving your neighbor and loving your enemy like yourself. Peter, where do you see this happening in this scenario? We look again at Matthew 26, 69 through 71. It says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, Hey, you were one of those, those people with Jesus, right? The Galilean? You know who I'm talking about. The guy who's been talking about he's the son of God. And he said in front of a large crowd, I don't know what you're talking about. You got the wrong Peter. That is not me. And I, I'm curious, how does this make sense? How do we know Peter the rock, Peter the disciple, Peter the one that, that stood up for Christ, the one that he said he built his church on? How did he get here? How did he get to this place where he was denying Jesus after rolling with him for three 
whole years. And I think there's a clue in scripture that says it in Matthew 26 through 58. It says, meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance, at a distance, and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. I really want to emphasize at a distance because here's what I believe, and this is what I want to submit to you this morning, that to navigate the now what's of life well, it will depend on your distance and your relationship with Jesus. The closer you are with Jesus, I believe the better you'll be able to navigate now what's. The farther you are, there are things that are likely to happen. I know I've experienced this. This is something that I've seen myself go through, and I want to help some people with this because here's the truth. Adam and Eve did not... Uh, uh, deny God when he was walking with them in the garden it was when they were alone with the serpent the Pharisees didn't deny Jesus by being close to him they saw him at a distance and said I don't know why that man's hanging out with broken people why would he love on those groups of people why would he try to restore them that's not what our king would do in reality they were trying to find the right thing but they were doing it the wrong way at a distance so my, I want you to understand, all I want you to do today is think about taking one step closer to Jesus. Just getting one step closer to him. But before we finish the rest of this message, I would love to pray with you all. So if you could just bow your heads. God, I thank you that you are ever present. God, I thank you that even when I deny you, you have never denied me, God. That you still see the best in me and you call me forward, God, even if I've fallen down. And I pray for anyone in this room. God, that, that if they're dealing with things, that if they're feeling numb, if they're wondering what now. God, what am I supposed to do now with the circumstances I've been handed? I pray that they would simply start to follow you, that they would take one step closer. For the people who are already close, that they would continue to take one step closer. And for the people who don't know you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would nudge them to take that first step with you, the greatest step in a relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we all agree by saying amen. Amen. Listen, my notes or the title of my notes is simply this. If you're taking them, you should write this down because you might need this in another season. It's, it's this right here. I took my church clothes off. Now what? In other words, I've grown distant. Now what? Because we can get our church clothes on on a Sunday, but that doesn't mean that's how we act on a Thursday. But I believe we can close that gap if we start to close the distance between us and our creator. And I'm just going to talk about three dilemmas that we deal with when we are distant. This is something that happens when we feel ourselves distancing ourselves from God. So again, I hope you self-audit. These are things that have happened in my life, and you can check yourself. But we're also going to give you solutions in this talk. So the first one is this, that distance often denies. Distance will often deny. We saw it in Matthew 26 through 58. It said, when Peter walked at a distance from Jesus, he ended up denying Jesus to a servant girl. What's this look like? That looks like hanging out at the water jug at work on a Monday and talking about your friend you've been with for 10 years, but in reality, you want to get this crowd to like you, so you'll say whatever it takes for them to like you. For me, it was in high school, one of my best friends got an award that simply said, hey, you've been doing the work of the kingdom, you've been living with Jesus, and we've seen it, we want to honor you and reward you. You know how I took that since I didn't get the reward? Can you believe this guy? He thinks he's better than us, doesn't he? Some, some Christian, cool. I'm glad he's a, he's a bigger Christian than I am. Guess uh, go have fun talking to Jesus. We'll go talk over here. And I was jealous, but can you see, like, the reality was that was my best friend Aaron. Pastor Aaron at this church was the man I was talking about because he got a reward that simply said, you've been doing the work of the kingdom. 
And can I tell you, that man deserved that reward. He's been loving Jesus, and you see him get up here, and I believe this is a long work in his opinion. Like, he's been at this since high school, and he's been loving Jesus ever since. But the reality for us was as soon as I got distant from him, it was easy to deny. Right? And the same thing is true about Jesus. The farther we get away from him, the easier it is we can deny the work he's doing in our lives. Listen, so I, I want to encourage you that we can do something about this. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue has power of life and death. So you have options, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's my question. Is the fruit of your words starving or feeding someone's future? Because that's the question. That's the power that you have today. You can feed someone's future. And I don't believe the Bible is just a book of sayings and collection of talks. I believe this is actually practical. What it looks like is saying, hey, youth, hey, student, I see something in you. Hey, Bella, I see you on the keys. I believe that you can lead in a way that you might not even believe. And it starts to speak into their future and remind them of what God's seen in them, but maybe they haven't seen yet. And that's what I want us to do today, right? The Pharisees were really good at making everybody else look bad because they look so good. (laughs) Their words were, I'm life, they're death. I don't know what they're doing, but I got it together. And Jesus often corrected their thinking. But here's the inverse, that we can be people of speaking life. We can love people well, and we can show them what it means to use our words. I think about it this way. Jesus decided to use 12 ordinary guys, and he spoke life into them. And we still speak about those 12 guys 2,000-some years later. What would happen if you decided to speak life into your worker, into your coworker, into your boss, into your relationships, into your marriage? Come on, I just, I believe that God would start to open things and you would live in the fruit of what you're speaking. And that's where I want you to be. So here's my check for you this morning if you're denying. If you're trashing people more than you're treasuring them, you might be distant in your relationship with your creator. So now what? Because like I said, I don't want to just call you out and smack your hand. I want to give you practical tips. Now what would be this? Speak life. Just choose it. It might be awkward for you. It might be abnormal. You might have built your personality around joking with other people. But man, just call out something in them and speak life to them. I believe it's going to bring you closer not only to Jesus but to those people. Number two is this. When we're distant from God, we often see division. We often see division. And I think about it this way. I went... Uh, to the National Mall, and it was like a national day of prayer and worship. So everybody's unified, everybody's singing. Not so good, right, or over here. I'm not a singer. But we're singing. We're giving it our best, and we're unified. And I'm loving this, and the event ends, and thousands of us are walking out of these gates because it's the only gates we can get out of. And, of course, there's this man standing there with a megaphone saying, hey, all gays are going to hell. And I sat there, and I just, can I be honest with you? I almost went part-time Christian. You know, I don't encourage you to go part-time Christian. I don't believe it's right. But in my head, I was like, I'm about, I, I, I'm about to bust this dude up. And I'm not that strong, but I'm going to find a way. Because here's what I know. I know the gospel. I know the Bible. I believe what the Bible says. And I believe that Lift Church also believes that. And we'll stay true to that. But, man, there was no love behind his sentiment. So I walked up to him and I was like, hey, man, because um, I, was, I was fed up. I was, hey, um, you know how you kind of like kindly go up to somebody, hey, uh, just, just wanted to mention something to you. If you want to say what you're saying, can you write on there liars, gossipers, people who lust, 
people who have anger issues. Can you write up there prideful people? And here's what I want to say, that I'm thanking God today that he sent his son so we don't have to pay for those things that all of us have done one time or another. But the reality was there was no love behind the truth. There was no, there was no kind of loving them well. So even in the body of Christ, I saw a division because it just seemed distant from what Jesus would have taught. Right, so I just see that, and maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's not that major, but it's, it's certainly in your face with Facebook. It's so easy to divide on Facebook feeds. She's doing what diet again? Really? She's selling that program again? He's doing what with his relationship? Oh, my goodness, I can't. But why would I even want to be their friends? Can you see what they're doing? And I believe there's a place for correction. I'm not saying that we don't correct. I'm saying that we don't correct over Facebook because a relationship is a place where I can find the truth in love, right? I don't want to be divided on Facebook. And if that's what's causing it for you, maybe it's time to take a break because we're about unity as a church. We're about growing the body together and we want to be unified, not divided. And it's easy to judge someone's decisions without knowing their intentions. So that's where Facebook might be a little iffy for us. But Matthew says it this way in verse twenty or chapter 26, verse 31. Then Jesus told him, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Essentially saying this, as soon as I'm distant, you'll scatter. As soon as I'm where you don't know me or, or you don't know what's happening, you will scatter. Jesus even says this to Pharisees in Matthew 12, verse 25. He says, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom, doesn't matter what kingdom, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house is divided against itself will not stand. And it doesn't take much to look at culture and know that it is about division in a lot of ways. It makes it easy. It makes it white versus black. It makes it police versus no police. It makes it what Trump did versus what Biden's doing. It makes it Republican versus Democrat. It makes us us versus them. It makes PS5 versus Xbox One. That one's not as deep, but the reality is still true. I, I think some of those on there are okay to talk about in, in your friendships and stuff like that, but none of those should ever replace your kingdom mindset first. You are a, a, a son of God, a daughter of God first, and your brother or sister is too. So if it's a political debate you want to have, remember what's first. And that's the kingdom of God, and that is the unity that we find, not division. So here's my check for this point. If you think the gospel is only for select people, then you might be distant in your relationship with Jesus. But here's the now what. Share it. <laughs> Unify the people that are not here today. Share a quote, share a worship song, uh, share an Instagram quote you've seen from another pastor. It doesn't matter to me, but just bring unity in. I, I think about it this way. We used to have a Bible study um, at Y High because we did it through an organization called Young Life, which I love Young Life, and it's an amazing organization. But we had a Bible study every Thursday night, and we grew to about 30 people. But two of those people were agnostic and atheist. Essentially, atheist saying, I don't believe anything, agnostic saying, there's something, I just don't know what to believe. So we were talking to him, and I was like, man, I don't know if this is your place or not. Like, in my head, right, I'm like, are you enjoying yourself? And I found out that food was there, so they were fine, right? So they just kept eating, and we just kept reading, and I was like, man, maybe this will turn into spiritual food one day. I don't know, you know, like, just thinking out loud. And I'm sitting there thinking about it and wondering, man, what seeds are being planted? Because he moved from the kitchen into the living room, into the seats with us. And he started hearing the Bible, but he never really opened it. So I was just like, I wonder what 
is going on in his mind. So fast forward like three years later, I'm pulling up the Chick-fil-A and I see this guy. And my thought is like, man, this is Christian chicken. Why are you here? Like, why are you working here? Like, I'm okay with you working, but like, doesn't that conflict with you a little bit? <laughs> so I walk up to get my number, or I drive up to get my number one meal, and I'm like, hey, man, like, glad to see you at the Chick-fil-A. You know, is it just chicken to you? I don't know. But like, <laughs> I'm just being dumb. But we're talking, and he goes, man, you won't believe it. I got baptized two months ago, and I've been serving in the church ever since. And I say that to say it's unity first that we believe in because we don't want to be a kingdom divided. Jesus said it, that kingdom will not stand. And to kind of summarize this entire point, I saw this quote the other day by Jonathan Pokluda, and he said this, the apostle Paul walked into heaven with the cheers of the people he killed. Think about that. Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul, murdered Christians, and when he arrived into heaven, the very people he killed were the people cheering him on, loving on him in the kingdom of heaven, saying, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want us to be, a place of unity, because that's the kingdom of God. Number three, as we kind of close this thing out, is distance distorts. It distorts our vision, and if you have glasses or contacts, you know what I'm talking about. You have them off and someone tries to tell you to look at the sunrise or the sunset and you just got to kind of be like, wow. Because you don't want to lie, but you can't tell nothing from anything. You're like, yeah, there's colors up there. That's for sure. (laughs) And you're sitting there and you're just like, man, my vision is a little distorted because it's distant. But I want to say maybe it's not physically that you're distant, but maybe spiritually you're distant because the last time you were at church, you got burnt. The last time you were at church, you really got hurt, and you didn't think they had their best for you. Like, you didn't really understand that they were trying to help you. And maybe you did actually get hurt, and there's some healing that needs to happen. Maybe it's emotionally you're distant, and your mind, your thought patterns are distant from God. And you're saying, man, my thoughts are distorted because I keep telling myself how much of a screw-up I am, how much I'll never make it, how much my family will always be like this, how my son will never come back, how my parents will never be restored and come to know Jesus. And your thoughts get distorted, and you forget who your Savior is. And it's at distance things start to distort. And maybe you're just like Peter and you just simply forgot who God is in your current situation. Whatever you're dealing with, with your now what. And I want to show you what that looks like. Matthew 26 through 51. This is after Peter tried to slice the guy's uh, uh, head and got away with an ear. He said, put away your sword. Jesus told him, those who uh, use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us. And he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now you see in reality Peter thought he was saving Jesus but Jesus knew he was saving Peter by going to the cross and if we're not careful it's very easy for us to put the burden of our friends of our family of the people in our lives on our shoulders and say hey God I got this for you you don't have to do it I, I, I'll, I'll handle it for you okay I'll just use you when I need you no that's not what he wants and yes I believe you need to take a step forward and initiate some things but I'm telling you we need to invite Jesus back into a close relationship with us so that he can share the burden because he says his burden is easy and his yoke is light so we want to be those kinds of people and listen it's hard I get it I, it's easier to talk about it it's harder to live it out sometimes when things seem so distorted in your life, you're like, how could I trust God? And I'd like to share a testimony with you, and I hope this testimony would maybe spur you on to say, if he's done it for him, maybe he can do it for me. 
And we had a student this past weekend, I'm sorry, this past Wednesday, we did a five for five, which we just had five of our students talk for five minutes about what God's doing in their life. And we went through them, and they all did an amazing job. And one of these students came up, and he said, hey, um, three years ago, or two or three years ago, I was abused. I was abused out of church. And none of us want to ever dream or consider that. And I thank God for Live Church that we're doing all the right things to make sure all the right parameters are set so that does not happen. But the reality is life is broken. And he's in this place where I'm almost thinking to myself, man, how are you going to recover from that? Like my, my, my flesh thoughts, right? And I just hear his story about how angry he was and how he took his anger out on other people due to this abuse and how he couldn't get over it. And he thought he never would. And he thought he would just have this anger for the rest of his life. But God, but God showed up and on a Wednesday night, he shared his testimony with 60 other students to say, I've been through it, but I can tell you my God is good and I'm worshiping him today and believing he's going to continue to restore me. He is restored. He doesn't deal with that anger anymore and he's actually flourishing in the kingdom of God. That is the point. That's why I want you to hold on when things seem distorted because there is a faith that does not change. And I know you might be thinking, how could God turn this for good? Just you wait. Just you wait. Hold on to faith. Hebrews says it this way in 11 verse 6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must do these things, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I kind of boiled it down to these two points. you got to believe in God, but you also got to believe God. It's one thing to believe in God, right? Like I believe he's a man in the sky or he's somewhere distant from me and he doesn't care about my scenario. I believe in God. I think he's there, but I don't know if I believe God. He says he's going to restore my soul. I don't know. He says he's working all things for good. I don't know. He says I'm the head and not the tail. I I don't know. He says, I'm a co-heir with Christ. Doesn't feel like it. But would you believe God? Essentially, would you trust God, not just trust in God? And here's what I want to do. I want to bring a distant God back into focus. If you've forgotten who your God is, if you need a reminder, we can look at all 66 books of the Bible and see different attributes of our king. And I want to read these off for you because I just want to make you remember to take one step forward because here is the reality our God in Genesis he's our creator in Exodus he's our freedom in Leviticus he's our high priest in numbers he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night in Deuteronomy he's the prophet like unto Moses in Joshua he's the commander of the Lord's armies in judges he's our judge and lawgiver in Ruth he's our kinsman redeemer in uh uh First and second Samuel, he's the seed of David. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, he's our advocate. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning for life. In the Song of Solomon, he's the loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. 
furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he's the outpourer of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's our judge and savior. In Micah, he's the ruler of the world from Bethlehem. In Nahum, he's our stronghold. In Habakkuk, he's the watchman. In Zephaniah, he's mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer. In Zechariah, he's the branch of David, the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. And that's just the Old Testament. Let's get into the New Testament. In Matthew, he's the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he's the servant, the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the baby in the manger, the son of man. But in John, he is the son of God. He is the living word, the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, he's the savior of the world, the ascended Lord. In Romans, he's the justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, he's the resurrection and comfort. In Galatians, he is your liberty. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church. In Philippians, he's your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness and the glory that holds our world together. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's the coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he's our mediator. In Philemon, he's our benefactor. In Titus, he's our blessed hope. In Hebrews, he is our perfection. In James, he's the power behind our faith. In First and Second Peter, he is our chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In First, Second, and Third John, he is our truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he's the foundation of our faith, our security. In Revelation, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You better shout and praise our God for so many names he wants to draw close to you he wants to be near and all you have to do is take one step forward so I just want to tell you as I close out now what now what take a step decide to take a step you took your church clothes off it's all right we we can come back to God his arms are wide open for you so I would say this foster a faith that says I will not deny God moving in my life I will speak life into people I choose not to divide the body or even myself from what God has for me. And finally, I choose to trust God in faith when everything seems distorted. In other words, simply say this, I choose to draw close to God today. And here's here's what I wanna show you is the reality of what it looks like to take one step. You see, everyone's eyes are drawn to a light and it doesn't have to be big. So my encouragement for you today is not only does taking one step encourage you and your walk with Jesus, it also encourages your friends. It encourages your family. It encourages your marriage. It encourages your coworkers because what they get to see is a light. And let me tell you, it does not have to start off bright. It can just take one step today. Now what? Take one step today. Trust Jesus a little more today. Not just believe in God, but take the step and say, I actually believe you, God. I believe you're working all things for my good. And listen, this is the reality. This is why we need all of us in this room to consider taking one step today because our world is hurting. It needs a light. But the darker and darker it gets, the brighter and brighter our light will shine. And I was reading this statistic, and I want to share hope at the end of it, but this is the reality. There was a national youth culture report. And it said this about the youth members it it polled, over 2,000 members, it said 66% of those reported high anxiety. 60% reported being depressed. 75% reported being lonely. And 35% reported being suicidal. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, that's not just a youth stat, that's a youth stat, that's a me stat. I'm dealing with that. I believe God has you here today for a reason. 
I believe all he wants you to know is you just take one step closer to him. And here's his promise, that as you draw closer to him, he would draw closer to you. So all I'm asking you today is we're going to go into a time of worship to worship our God for who he is. Man, I want to worship him not just for his hands, but to know his heart and to know who he is in my life. So as you join the band, decide to take one step forward. Maybe it's lifting your hands. Maybe it's, it's believing God for more. Maybe it's praying with your family. But all I want you to do today is as we sing, join them as we worship and take one step forward today. Can we give our God praise? I don't know what you need today, but if he's the Prince of Peace, he's the Prince of Peace. If he's your security, he's your security. If he's a good father you need, he's a good father you got. We believe that God is what you need him to be today.
And you might be asking the question still, now what? And this is one of my favorite parts of this entire experience. Now what is we give you a chance to make the greatest decision of your life? That you would take one step forward and say, hey, I didn't know this God you talked about. Or maybe I, I knew him once, but I've been so distant and I just want to get back to him. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I'm just going to go ahead and do something simple. I'm going to count to three so that you can raise your hands on three. Simply to say, I know who I'm praying for. And we're going to pray as a body because we don't pray separate. We pray together. And I'm just going to believe that some of the, you will make the greatest decision of your life by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're online or in person. And you guys can go ahead and take a seat as we do this because I just want to give some people the ability to raise their hand on this message and just say, hey, I want to know that God. I want to know that Savior. I want to believe in Jesus. And listen, one, I believe this is the greatest decision you'll ever make. It has completely transformed my life and so many others around me because of my decision. Two, I believe that God is for you and not against you. And if you've come in here wondering if he likes you or loves you, he does both. He loves you and he likes you. And that's a great place to be in. Three, if that's you in this room, can I just see your hand go up so I know who I'm praying for this morning? Yeah, I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Yeah, hands are going up everywhere. You go ahead. You can put your hands down. And we're going to pray as a church body together. So you could just follow me out loud. Just simply say, dear God. Thank you for sending your son to die a death I deserved so I didn't have to. As I navigate the now what's of life, I pray that you would reign in my heart. I trust that you are the son of God and believe that you are raised from the dead. Jesus, I trust you. I put my faith in you. And we all agreed by saying amen. Hey, can we